Good evening. Uh, for those gathered in the room, you know that there's uh, lots of folks on this tiny little screen right in front of me um, joining in tonight. So I'm, I'm glad that whether you're at home, uh, I see the entire Arnett family right now. So y'all did well, like shoved into that screen. Y'all, y'all are a big family. So good job. Um, Anyway, so we're trying this tonight, just recognizing the moment that we're in. Um, it feels awkward, feels awkward for, for us in the room, might feel awkward for you at home. First time we've done it exactly like this, but we're committed to uh, being God's church wherever we are and to worshiping and to growing together in God's word. Um, and so Zoom's probably going to be a little bit clunky for those of you joining from home. Um, feels a little clunky for those of us in the room as well, but uh, it's a clunky night, and, uh, and, and it's going to be it's going to be good. We're going to grow from uh, God's word, and we're going to consider that. Uh, we're going to have some discussion, uh, folks on Zoom, if you want to participate in that. Um, we don't have a, a way to hear you tonight, um, but you're free, feel free to, to open up the chat and share. Um, those of us in the room, like you're required to answer at least one question, because you're it. So that's it. Um, but what we're doing tonight, and what we did starting last week, um, is is considering some of Salt and Light's priorities, and specifically, we're considering how the gospel sounds like good news. Um, and so, I'd love for everybody just to think for just a minute. Um, and if you have an answer, you can go ahead and shout it out or share it in the chat on Zoom. Um, but what is some of the best news you've ever heard? What's some of the best news you've ever heard? Maybe, maybe good news you've heard this week. Um, maybe good news that you heard long, long, long ago, but it was such good news that, that it immediately comes to mind. Does anybody have anything like that? Some of the best news you've ever heard? Yeah. God's risen. Yeah, Jesus is risen. Easter, the message of Easter. That's the best news. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, healing. A mom who no longer has cancer. That's great news. Yeah, when Marvin's family was able to move here after years of being separated in the asylum process. That's good news. And, and, and we could all have things like that, right? There's, there's just such good news. Um, I want you to think about this, whether you said it out loud or not. What was it about that good news that made it good news? What was it that made it good news? And, and here's what I want to submit, is that most often good news sounds like good news, not just like clinically or objectively, but, but it sounds like good news because it impacts something or someone that we value or something or someone that we love. Like something sounds like good news because of a relationship or something sounds like good news because of a goal that we have or it fits within a passion or a desire. Does that make sense? It sounds like good news because we love it. We value it. And so last week at our family update, uh, for those of you who are here, we reminded Salt and Light of the values and priorities that shape our church's mission. And for the first few weeks of 2022, we're dwelling on this one priority that is declaring the gospel and declaring the gospel to our personal unbelief and also declaring gospel into cultural divisions, displaying the gospel through biblical justice and pursuing the poor and helpless and marginalized. Part of Salt and Light's mission, which is making disciples of Jesus by seeking his kingdom in everyday life, part of that mission is learning to see all of life through the lens of the gospel. So last week, we talked about how the gospel is good news, specifically in suffering. 
Next week, we're going to see how the gospel is good news in society and cultural moments. And then tonight, we're just going to consider how gospel, the gospel is good news in people's stories. In other words, how does Jesus' life and death and resurrection and reign, how does that apply to our everyday life and to the questions we ask, no matter how big or little, to the needs we have, no matter how big or little, to the relationships we have and the goals we have and the passions we have? And here's the key. Just like every other form of good news, the story of Jesus sounds like good news when we help people see how Jesus meets them in something they love or value. Let me say it again. The good news of Jesus sounds like good news when people see how Jesus meets them in something that they love or value. So I want you to turn uh, to 1 Peter chapter 2 if you have a Bible um, or an app. Those of you at home, you can run into the next room and grab one if you need to. Um, for being 1 Peter 2 and also Colossians chapter 4. So 1 Peter is almost the very end of the Bible. Colossians a few pages before that. We're going to start in 1 Peter 2 and end in Colossians chapter 4. As you turn there, those of you who are here will remember that Salt and Light um, walked through the Bible as one big story last summer. The story of God, yes, but also we saw the Bible as the foundational story of our lives. And one thing we said as we walked through it is that God, God has shaped the whole earth around this one story, and people choose to live in his story or not. But whether we live in God's story or not, everyone lives our entire life based on some story. We have lots of characters in our story. We have lots of scenarios in our story. There's lots of chapters in our story. But, but often our lives are dominated by one reality or one person or one event that shapes our entire story. And if you claim to follow Jesus, then then Jesus claims to be the dominant person that shapes our life. His life, his death, his resurrection, his reign are the dominant events that shape our stories. His spirit and our faith and our hope and our love, his faith, his hope, his love, those are the things that dominate our realities. So in other words, if we're in Christ, we've traded our old, lesser identity for a new, better identity. If we follow Christ, we used to put our hope in some future, and now we put our hope in some better future. If we follow Christ, we've turned from our idols and false saviors to the one true God and the one true Savior. And for folks who don't follow Jesus, your life is still shaped by some story. Everybody's life is shaped by some story. And so, for example you're still living out some identity, whether it's son or daughter of God or any other identity. So so let me ask you, if Jesus doesn't form your truest, greatest identity, what are some other common places we can find our identity in? Where can we find our identity? In our jobs, in parenting, maybe specifically in, in what our kids do when we're around other people that then reflects on our parenting in that moment. Talents, yeah. What else, yeah? Money, status, getting ahead, being something that we expect ourselves to be or being something somebody else expects us to be. If we don't follow Jesus, we still look to something to save us, just not Jesus. And so again, like if Jesus isn't our savior, what are some common things or who are some common people we can look to to be our savior? What comes to mind? Ourselves, spouse, 
Some, if, if our identity is found in, in work, then on some level, our boss is either the savior that, that we look to to make things right or the one that constantly lets us down. This makes sense? We, we all live out some identity. We all follow some savior. If, if you don't follow Jesus, your hope is still in something or someone to make your future better. And again, just like our identity, just like our false saviors, if, if we're honest, our hope can be in just about anything. Here's the point. Peter explains this in, in 1 Peter 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. I'm going to back up to verse 9, actually. You, Peter writes to God's people, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Then he says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 10 takes this former story, better story thing and puts them one against the other. You used to be not a people at all. Now you're God's people. There is identity, there's belonging, there's community. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. You're no longer bound and weighted down. You're free. God's shown his mercy to you. And verse 9 summarizes the shift in the story by saying, God brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The good news of Jesus is that no one, no event, no boss, no physical malady, nothing can define your identity more than the fact that you're created in God's image. And if you're in Christ, you're a son or daughter of God. The good news of Jesus says that, that you are not the problem with your life or the world. And no other person or thing is the primary problem with life or the world. Brokenness and sin is the primary problem with the world. And Jesus came to redeem and reverse all brokenness and sin. The good news of Jesus says that whatever other thing we look to, to fix or solve our problems, in other words, whatever we put our hope in, whomever we put our hope in, that thing will let you down, but Jesus won't let you down. The gospel promises that God through Jesus is joy to the joyless and hope to the hopeless and freedom for those trapped in debt and slavery and salvation for those under judgment and the answer to every problem and on and on and on we go. Whatever your story is, wherever you find your identity, whatever you define as the problem, whatever you put your hope in, Jesus offers good news. And he offers good news to you but he also offers good news for others. And guess what? In this same verse, Peter reminds us that we are bearers of that good news to those around us. In verse 9, Peter addresses the church, followers of Jesus, you and me, and says, you are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for God's possession. In other words, we who are redeemed by God who have been called out of another story and set apart by him, we live as God's people. We live as citizens of a better kingdom. That's our identity. That's who we are. But out of that identity, out of who we are, God gives us a task. He says, here's what you do. He calls us priests. Anyone know what the, the role of an Old Testament priest was? Any kids in the room know what the Old Testament priest would do? They would kill animals, so that's fun, huh? Anything else they would do? They would go into the temple. 
And there they would offer those animals to God. The role of a priest was what was called a mediator. They were a go-between. They were someone to represent God to humans. They would represent humans to God. They would pray to God on humans' behalf. They would speak to humans on God's behalf. Old Testament priests lived in a way that displayed that God was good and powerful and holy. Old Testament priests spoke boldly about God and his truth and his story, especially to people who didn't believe and people who doubted And God calls Israel, his entire Old Testament people, a nation of priests and says, I want you to be that to the world around you. You get to represent me and speak my words to the world around you. You get to pray for the world around you and love them on my behalf. And Peter says to God's New Testament people, the church, in verse 9, you, you who are all those things are called to proclaim the excellencies of me. God, because I called you out of darkness and into my marvelous light. We are priests. That's who we are. We proclaim God's excellencies. That's what we do. And and if we think about this, it's not like some guilt-ridden, empty task that God's got a checklist going, you did this, you didn't do this, you did this, you didn't do this. Rather, if, if we truly believe that Jesus has reshaped our lives and given us a better story then that's good news we get to share with our friends and our family and our neighbors in hopes that God would reshape their stories. So again, the gospel is good news for every cultural moment. That's what our priority as Salt and Light says. The gospel is good news for everyday life. The gospel is good news for personal unbelief. Hear me, Jesus is good news because in Jesus, we have a better identity, a better hope, a better Savior, and a better story. Does that make sense? And the number one question that flows out of that is, great, how do I do that? Lots of folks would say, yes, I follow Jesus. And if you do, you likely believe theoretically or mentally or theologically that everything we've said is true, that God has changed our lives and he calls us to share good news with others. But it's really hard for us to translate that belief into action, isn't it? And so 